Hello and welcome back to The Open Book with Gabriel Penn. As per last week, we are continuing on this world-building arc. I say arc as though this is a video game, it's not. Um, this set of episodes is going to be on world-building and writing. For those tuning in for the very first time, this podcast is dedicated to writing tips, promotionals for indie authors, things like that. Basically, I want this to be a really cool podcast for writers so that they can do a bit of brainstorming and hear about new stuff. Anyhow, back to what we're talking about in this week's episode. In this week's episode, we're going to be discussing history in regards to world building. And history is an extremely important part of world building. I keep referring back to <laughs> keep referring back to Lord of the Rings, even though I haven't read it. Alright, you know what? Instead of Lord of the Rings this time, I'm going to travel over to Narnia, because I like C.S. Lewis a bit better. I know a little bit more about it. Um, and... History has a really big part in how Narnia plays out. For instance, just between book one and book two, uh, there's a huge amount of history stuff going on. There is so many hundreds of years between which big important events happen, and they change the fabric of the story. History is going to do that a lot. Um, I personally tend to be a big history buff for stuff regarding war. I feel like that's a really bad thing because I'm a pacifist. Um, but... I specifically like the Revolutionary War and uh, the French um, Revolution. So you'll be seeing a lot of hints towards that in the book that I'm working on now. But the point of the matter is, in Narnia, in the second book, a lot changes because um, things change because of history. The Telmarines come in and they change up the world. They do a lot of basically genocidal craziness and start wiping out all the people of Narnia. And the history that's happened between the first book and the second book plays a massive part in how that goes down. So you have to be thinking about this. How exactly has the world that you've created adapted from its history? For instance, how did the world start out? And that's going to play a big part too. Were there a lot of tribal wars going on at first? Um, did the people all start off from one area of the world and expand, similar to how, um, like, in Young Earth Theory of the Bible, how they put it, and I'm a Young Earth person as well, don't shoot me, uh, but <laughs> it starts off from one place and goes out, or did people evolve in different spots, and then they spread out over the world, and they meet up with each other eventually? How exactly does that work out? Um, question number two, how does the war affect how your story goes? For instance, in the book that I'm writing, the war has a massive effect on how the story goes. If the war hadn't been there in the first place, the story wouldn't be happening. Because in my story called Dark Soldier, which I'm actually almost done with, I'm really excited about that. It's going to be headed out to agents and publishers pretty soon. Uh, there is a 500-year war that preludes the events of this book. Now, when I say 500-year war, I don't mean there's a literal war going on. For 365 days times 500, uh, there are a small set of wars with decently sized gaps between them, but close enough that people consider them all to be one war that the entire planet was stuck in. Basically, World War II on crack. So this happens, and because of this, there's a lot of technological advances in ways that typically wouldn't be. Uh, for instance, they're in a sort of Bronze Age, I guess, in regards to all the rest of their architecture and uh, clothing and fashion and such, 
But when it comes to actual weapons of warfare, they already have guns. They already have communicator devices like radio because those became important uh, in continuing the war and doing espionage and things like that. And so because of the war, certain things advanced very quickly in regards to technology, but other things did not because they didn't have enough time with all the war that was going on to continually keep doing stuff um, domestically here at home. Now, there are some things that they did in regards to housing, but it's not like amazingly fine, like beautiful architecture. It's mainly stuff that makes sure that it actually stays grounded in the middle of a fight, and they've based their entire lives around this. They haven't really known peace. Even in the time where they have, in quotes, peace, it's not really peace. It's a government that's being absolutely horrendous to them, and they're fighting back. So you've got to consider exactly how certain events have changed the course of history. Because, like I've said in earlier episodes, butterfly effect. You know, one small thing will change a whole ton of things here. I think another good example of this is a series that starts off with a book named Leviathan. I can't think of who it's by. Uh, but it's sort of like an alternate World War One. I, I, I re- mentioned war a lot because war changes how history goes. Uh, when people live in peace, I don't think a whole lot of things change except technology, like domestic technology. But in regards to the war in the book series that started by Leviathan, um, they have two separate warring factions right now, which are, one is a technologically based faction, and the other is basically playing god faction, uh, where one has decided to evolve creatures to benefit them in whatever way they can, including <laughs> including making whales that uh, that could literally float in the sky. It's just so ridiculous, but it's fun. It was a great series. Uh, Scott Westerfield, I remember now. Leviathan by Scott Westerfield. Great series. You need to look it up. Um, and meanwhile, the other faction has these really amazing technologically advanced robots uh, that are basically mecha running around. So it's set in this, like, I'd like to say like early 1900s, but it has technology that's just so far advanced because of the war between these two factions. So obviously war does a lot of things to advance history, but there are some other things you can think of in regards to this kind of thing. And now we're coming to the more domestic part of things, as I kind of hinted at. Uh, There's going to be a lot of things that change, not because of war, but just because of smaller things. For instance, um... A lot of the art periods changed in history, which had nothing to do with the war. I don't think most of them did, from what I remember. Uh, They just kind of changed depending on people's opinions of things. Uh, A lot of philosophical changes were coming about in the Renaissance era, and that prompted not only a change in art, but in how people lived and treated each other. It heavily advanced the culture and just generally how people thought. And if they're not in war, how has that affected the domestic life? Uh, How has that affected technology? What kind of things have they changed with technology since now they have time to delve a little bit away from the weapons of war and towards stuff at home? Uh, Is it possible to have a world where there are almost no crazy weapons of warfare, maybe past fireworks, and yet have these gorgeous like technology advances? Actually, this comes to mind another book that I'm thinking of, which was actually related to a radio series called Adventures in Odyssey, 
where these kids went into another world. And one of the things that happened was that this world had next to no big warfare or anything. Um, they had, like I mentioned, fireworks. I think that's where I was getting my mental processing from. Uh, but they had these amazing like solar-powered cars and beautiful cities uh, because they had the time to do this kind of thing. And so you got to be thinking about that sort of thing as well. And one thing that a lot of people don't really think about in regards to creating fictional histories and worlds is geography. A lot of people just put, um, <laughs> a lot of people just put like moderate climates, you know, and they don't really think too much of it past that. Um, they don't really think how a river splitting a country uh, would change the dynamic of that country. And this actually happened, as I recall from my minor dabblings of Egyptian history, in Egypt uh, with the Nile River, there was a north and a south Egypt. And I think even they had separate pharaohs for a while uh, because of this split between the Nile. Um, and so little things like that in the geography, um, things like how hot the place is even, is going to change the events in your history. Um, people aren't going to be in super obnoxiously hot climates as much unless you've changed your human population or whatever kind of creatures that you make your main creatures uh, so that they can withstand that. Certain things like that, they're going to change uh, not only where people are on your world, uh, but also how they live in it and how certain events are going to go down. Uh, for instance, Russia <laughs> changed a big fabric of World War I because it was so cold um, and people kept trying to go into it in the winter and it kept failing. Uh, so certain little things like that is going to change how your history goes down. And finally, depending on what kind of area you want to be reflecting in your fantasy in, I do say this a lot, absolutely do study, do study not just European cultures, and I know this is um, a sort of fallback because people want to emanate Lord of the Rings, and I can understand that because it's a very well-loved series, and it's very European-based, specifically very England-based as far as I've understood. I haven't actually read the series myself. I know that's terrible for me as a, as a fantasy author, never having read Lord of the Rings. Um, but do study others as well. Uh, be sure to study Eastern culture, uh, even uh, Eastern Europe, Africa. Be sure to study South America. Um, check out what kind of culture you want for your book and study that area intensively. Uh, see what kind of uh, age that you're wanting to do. Do you want a Stone Age? Do you want a Bronze Age? What kind of age do you want? And check and see what was going on in that era during that time. Uh, because... The climate and the geography and how the systems worked is going to heavily affect your history. Um, also, absolutely, do get into the nitty-gritty, like... By nitty-gritty, I don't mean, like, really dark and disturbing. I mean, like, get into, like, the tiny details of your world when it comes to history. Uh, you can absolutely put something in there random just for fun because history is really weird. You know, uh, <laughs> we have a lot of just strange things that happen in history... Uh, that are legitimate. So having your history being completely 100% logical all the time uh, is terrible because <laughs> people aren't logical. Uh, people don't really enjoy, I think, completely logical stuff happening all the time. We got to have some emotional fiber in this, man. Come on.
got to be something there. And we're about 12 minutes in. So uh, here's my last thought on this. Please don't overdo your... <laughs> please don't overdo your history when it comes to world building. Um, there's, there's a certain set of ways you can definitely overdo it where you're bringing it up too much. And we need to be grounded in the story that's happening right now. So you want to make sure that you're finding ways so that the history is interesting, yes, but have it so that it actually has some meaning in the present time of the story that you're writing. Uh, I reference my own book a lot just because I learned a lot of these things while I was writing it. Um, there are times when it references back to stuff in the past. Um, and that happens occasionally mainly because a couple of the characters are about a millennia old um, and certain stuff from the past has some bearing on what's happening now. Uh, for instance, um, one of the characters who's considered one of the antagonists sees somebody from his past during the book that he thought was dead and remembers killing hundreds of years back. Um, and so a little bit of history is important uh, in regards to things like that, unless you just want to say, hey, I killed him several hundred years ago, there's no possible way that he's alive right now. Um, but it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a flashback there going on. Um, and to know what was going on during that era yourself, uh, and to have a really good idea of that kind of thing, rather than just spouting off certain things, like legitimately knowing what happened in that era of your history, um, rather than just making it up on the spot, is a really good idea. That way it all kind of s sticks together, and there's no real plot holes, because plot holes can be pretty easy if you don't have a really well-established history in your fantasy world. So establish it well, but don't bring it up a ridiculously large amount of times. That's not very necessary. All right, that's the end of the open book with Gabriel Penn for today. Um, hope you have all had an excellent weekend, and happy writing. Alright, you guys remember this section. This is Recent Reads, where I talk about a read that I've read recently. And this one is a very popular series, which I actually didn't get into until very recently. And I'm taking a little while with this book, but it's The Prisoner of Azkaban by J.K. Rowling from the Harry Potter series. And I would suggest that even if it's been a while since you've read the series, or you haven't read it ever, that you take it a read or uh, give it another go. Because... It's an amazing series. I love it so much. In regards to world building, oh man, this series kills it. So, as I said before, have an excellent weekend and happy writing. <laughs>